aim at and seek and reach eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Okay. Now, notice when he writes this, the people in Colossae are not asking what is above. Are we, are we together? Because you in your imagination, when he said, think of things above, set your minds on things above, what did you think about? You thought about angels, heaven, and if you believed in the heaven of clouds, you saw clouds and Peter walking on clouds, right? But you know that is not what is above. Sindio? Okay, guys, let's be clear. Right? All right. Let me even break it down simpler. If you read the entirety of the Bible, there's one thing you will not find. An accurate description of heaven. Right? Uh, it's not there. Correct? None of us knows how it looks like because it's not described. Right? But Paul says, focus your mind on things above. Now, you see, you should have real problems when you read a scripture and no one is asking, how does above look like? Right? If you came here and I told you, has, think of things upstairs. And you've never been here, you would ask, what's upstairs? Is it a fair question? Now, this scripture is echoed by what something Jesus said. Store your treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there your heart shall be also. Okay? Now, the question you should have asked, how? How do I store treasures in heaven? Then, why? Because you and I know that heaven is not the ultimate destination. Hello. So you'll be resurrected to come into the new earth. So why are you storing things in heaven? So you have to ask the question, why do people store things? People store things for later use. So if heaven is the store, where is the use? Now, so far we are good. Right? Because both Kuriakos and us agree there is nothing to do in heaven. Because even in your imagination of heaven, all you thought about was eating fruit and singing kumbaya, right? Eh? Because God has a glutus maximus upon which to put. No, seriously, for him to have a kitichayenzi, he must have something to put on the chair. For what purpose? It's a heavenly chair. <laughs> okay. 
So if God fills the whole universe, right? How big is his chair? Because it must be bigger than the universe, right? No, just think about it, okay? Let's go through that train of thought, okay? God has a chair. For God to have a chair, it must be bigger than him. No, see, listen, <laughs> generally, generally, for you to sit, for you to sit on a chair, the chair needs to be able to accommodate you, correct? No, generally speaking. Okay. Let's, let's assume the chair is half his size anyway. And he fills the whole universe. Isn't you? And the universe is infinite. What's a half of infinity? <laughs> now, you see, the problem with Christianity is we rarely think about the things we believe. Because if you did, you'd realize it's nonsensical even by your own logic. And that's a whole lot of nonsense. For it to be logical to you. you. You get what I mean? So now, if Jesus' instruction to us is to store in heaven, then his instruction is clearly not to go in heaven, to heaven. Because which one of you is the store where you want to go? Okay, if you are rich, will you go live in a bank? <laughs> you know, unless you're thinking like Scrooge McDuck, eh? remember Scrooge McDuck? He had his coins in, in, in his house. The point is, this place called heaven, one meeting, this place called heaven, and where we store things, and why we store things there, is not something that we've understood clearly. Because, let me ask the question, if indeed Jesus instructed you to store your treasures in heaven, correct? Alright, so tell me how much is in your account in heaven. <laughs> no, listen, you have an instruction from your maker, which you should take seriously. The same way you take the other things seriously, mostly the fornication bits. <laughs> so, if you're going to take God seriously, he told you to do what? Store your treasures in? Okay. How many have even have an account in heaven? Well, forget about how much is in it. Huh? Ati? Speak louder. That's the question. So you have an instruction where the destination of where to keep your, your treasures you don't know. And the treasures Christ is asking you to keep there, you can't quantify. And therefore, it becomes something you can't obey. True or false? Right? Now, because you can't obey it, then you meet another madman called Paul. And then he says, if indeed you have died with Christ and been resurrected with him, then clearly... Seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Now, what treasures are there? The things above. Now, clearly we know that there are things that Christ is talking about as spiritual things, correct? Now, in typical Kenyan and Kuriako speak, they're definitely talking about some funny witchcraft thing to explain why something is happening and you can't understand, correct? When your business is not working, but no one has ever sat down to explain to you what a spiritual thing is. Correct? Because even when they say spiritual warfare, you have to engage your imagination to understand. And you imagine your prayers being some form of arrow that is hitting them in the sky demons, then they fall apart, correct? No, that's your imagination. And you imagine your faith being a shield that when the enemy sends trials like accidents, they hit your faith and then the accident fails. Now, if you should have an accident, it is not the accident that happened, but your faith that failed. That is how typically people understand spiritual things, Right? That's a bunch of nonsense because we know Christ was caught in storms. We know Christ was nearly stoned. We know a number of bad things that happened to Jesus. Then when those bad things happened, did Jesus' faith fail? Because our understanding is if a bad thing happens to you, then it must be because you are not having enough Right? So little faith to us is when bad things happen. Now, let me define how wrong we are. There is a story of the disciples with Jesus in a boat. And they're with Jesus in a boat, and the boat is about to sink because, by Jove, they are in the middle of a storm. And they cry out to Jesus and they say, Lord, Lord, why are you sleeping and we are about to drown? Now, Jesus, having pity on them, wakes up, runs to the boat and speaks to the storm and he says, peace, be still. Now, of course, for us, the show of faith, obviously, was Jesus calming the storm. And that's what we think the story is about, not in Jesus' mind. Jesus stands around and speaks to them and he tells them, O ye of little now, in typical Christian behavior, if you are in a boat and it's about to capsize, the most faithful thing to do is to cry out to Jesus and say, Oh Lord, behold, we are about to sink. And if he comes through and he saves you from the storm, you will come next week and give us a powerful testimony about how your prayer to God brought about the end of your storm, correct? But Jesus' reaction to you would be, O ye of little faith. That defines to you that most of your life has been defined by what? Little faith. Because look at our testimonies. I used to suffer. I was struggling. And I prayed to God and he saved me from my 
stop. Alright? Now Jesus tells you, O ye of little faith. Why? Because our understanding of what God wants to achieve and the fight that God is in is wrong. God is not struggling to save you from things. Not at all. He's not trying to save you from bankruptcy. He's not trying to save you from sickness. He's not trying to save you from a bad boss. He is desperately trying to save you from you. Did you hear what I just said? He's not trying to save you from the devil. That would have been easy to do. He could have just slapped him in Genesis. And that story would be over. He is not trying to save you from bad things. He can stop them by even just thinking it. He's trying to save you from you. Now, there is a you that's not dead. He is called the old man, the unrenewed man. The man that still thinks the way you thought before you met Jesus. That's the dangerous man. That's who Paul says that before you can even start to think of things above, you must understand that you are what? You have been raised with Christ. It is the most important thing to understand for a Christian. When we say the life I have now is not the life I used to have before, we are not defining about where you took your body. Because a lot of the time you say, I am saved, I don't go to clubs anymore. That's not a new body. That's not a renewed self. The renewal is of your mind. Are we together? Now, a lot of people mistake this. They think that because I was in the world and I used to dance a lot, now if I dance less, I'm serving God. Now here's the problem. The negative of a picture is a picture. So it's not a matter of leaving the world and doing the opposite. Otherwise, Muslims are more saved than you. True or false? Now, Jesus is not talking about an alternative to the world. He's giving you a different life. Are we together? Now, he says, if you have the new life, then you can also have a new mind which you can set to things above. Are we together? Eh... Bypass. Now, what is a new life? Now, I was having a conversation with, with Kimani. Uh, Kimani was telling me, God, I feel so far away. A million miles or more, it feels today. 
And though I haven't lost my way, I must admit that it's hard for me to pray. Right? You know that thing for distance from God? Okay? I told him something. Christianity by feelings is dangerous. Christianity by feelings is because, you see, unfortunately, you wake up tomorrow and you feel very different. Let me explain to you how your feelings change. You know how when your bank account suddenly receives money and you feel rich? Then you spend 100 bob and you realize that 30,000 is now 29,900 and you feel poor. Do you know that feeling? So feelings are not a good way to judge your relationship with God. The truth is, if you're going to judge your relationship with God, you must judge it based on what you know. Not on what you feel. I'll give you an example of what I mean. You see, your parent, your mom, your dad, or your siblings, right? They don't need to buy you flowers for you to feel loved. They didn't, don't need to, to, to do things for you to feel goosebumps for you to know they love you, correct? Instead of it being action-oriented, it is a knowledge that you know. You just know that you know that they love you. But if you get married or if you start dating and base that relationship on feelings, then you end up where people admire the person you're with and you are looking at them thinking, I don't feel. And so you try to revive it with dates, whatevers, flowers. It doesn't work. Because guess what? If you felt that way in 2018, your body has a way of coping with addictions. See, the first time you tasted pizza, you were excited. Then you ate it six times, then it became kawaida. You see, if you grew up like me, if you grew up like me and you discovered kumbe chips in Iviazi, that was an honest revelation to me. No true story. Because what needed to happen back then is we had to leave our little house in Joro, drive all the way to Nakuru town to eat chips. And boy, was it amazing. But you see, in our house, we had the boiled potatoes. And if you wanted it to taste very fancy, you opened the bottom of the jiko and you put an entire potato in there and you'd have a jacket potato. We didn't call it jacket potato then. It got to eat a viazi konangozi. Right? You know, and that was the closest. So can you imagine when, when we figured out that if you get the same potato and you cut it into chips and fry it in oil, Kumbe chips, me? Yes. You know, 
it was an honest to God delicacy. I, I remember the most fancy thing we could order was chips. Do you understand? Chips na sausage. Kwanza, if you are lucky, sausage mbili. You understand? Today, if you give me uh, chips na sausage, I wonder, my friend. So, how I felt about chips then, I can't then eat the same chips today and say, why, why don't you feel the way you used to when I was younger? So, you, 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 you cannot base your relationship with anything based on feelings of the past because even though those feelings exist, they will always be watered by the used to itness of it all. You understand? Which is why I always tell people, whenever they come to me and they tell me, oh my goodness, I met this man. He is perfect. Oh my gosh. We finish each other's sentences. He opens the door for me and things like that. I'm always telling them until you can see what is wrong with them, you're not ready to make a decision. You understand? Mukzo, Mukzo has, has a saying. He calls it post-orgasm clarity. You see, there's a clarity you get after you get what you are looking for. But listen, you, you, you know, have you ever wanted a new phone, a new car, a new whatever, right? And, and you've been dreaming about it and you're going to buy it the next day and you can't sleep and you're so excited and, and it's everything you want, right? And then you go buy it. And then after you've spent your money and you thought it's going to be this awesome thing after a while, it's just a thing. So the only time you can determine you truly love something is when it stops being fantastic and then suddenly it's just a thing and then you can ask yourself, do I still want it? I've just given you wisdom and godly relationship advice. So Paul is speaking about the mind. That you must learn to set your mind on things above. And then Jesus says, store your treasures in heaven where no moth, no robber, no thief can reach it. Because indeed, if it is in heaven, then your heart shall be there also. Now, the problem is that what then is above? What is there? Now, Jesus makes it worse because in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, he says this. He says, our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Then your kingdom, your will be on earth as it is in. Uh -huh. So this thing that we are storing in heaven is supposed to come down. That's even worse. So you store it in heaven for it to come down. Because you're saying your kingdom, your will be on earth as it is in 
So listen, uh, then <laughs> what you store in heaven is what is supposed to come to us. But that's how storage works. If you store in your kitchen, then it is supposed to be cooked and come to you. Because if it never comes, then there was no point of storing. No one stores a thing so that it is never used. Right? Someone lay hands on Ken. Quickly. Lay, lay hands suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Kamechuna. <laughs> you understand? The purpose of storing something must always be that when the time comes for its use, it can be taken out and be used. If you store it and you never use it, like our mothers did with that, you know, let me tell you, my mom had this had these cups. Right, that I think I drank from like twice my entire life. Uh, lucky you guys never did, but today, if she removes them, Yanni, you are embarrassed. <laughs> you understand? Because she stored them, but the time to use them never came, and therefore they became useless. Because if you overstore a thing, it does not make sense. So we must understand that the things that are above are stored for us. Now, what is the proof, number two, that these things are stored for us? Now, what does it say in Malachi? You like it. You know, test me on this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Okay? Now, let me give you a revelation to make this very simple. Heaven is a storehouse. Okay? Now, if it is a storehouse, it stores things meant for us. Okay? This is true because indeed Christ himself, it says in the book of Acts, the heavens must retain him, contain him, until the time is right for his second coming. Right? So, heaven is a reservoir for God's intentions for us. That's why we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven because in heaven God's perfect will is already done. Because heaven exists in eternity. Are we, are we together? Right? Now, by it existing in eternity, it means things happened, are happening, and will happen at the same time. Because eternity is not the continuation of time. Eternity is the removal of time. One day. Eh? Buffering. Mtejo anambari will your figure. Listen, if eternity is the continuation of time, then God cannot exist. Because for God to be eternal, he must exist outside of time. Because time is a creation of God. 
It's a creation of God because you know for matter to exist, two things must exist before it, space and time. Okay, you know all your physics falls apart if you have no time. All of it. You can't even calculate gravity without time. You understand? If you remove time from physics, then physics does not exist. Which is why miracles happen. Miracles happen because God suspends time. Listen, if you could control time, you could control matter. Study and show yourself approved. Okay. What is healing? What is healing? If someone does a miracle of healing, what has he done? He simply shortened the time for healing and accelerated that manipulating time. For Jesus to walk on water, what does he need to do? You understand? Anyway, that being besides the point, the point that you need to understand is eternity has happened, is happening, and will happen at the same time. That's why he declares the end from the beginning. Because he lives at the beginning and at the end at the same time. But he is God. When you say he is infinite, what do you mean? He cannot be traveling through time like you and I. That would make him subject to something. Uh, now you can see where masterclass is going soon. But you see the problem is <laughs> when, when, when you are poor, such things don't bother your brain. It's true. <laughs> no, no. It's true even for me. I'm not... No, I'm just telling you. No, 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 no. Where? What one catch? No, but... No, it's, it's true. When you're poor, you don't think about higher things. No, seriously. Okay. Guys, before you take it personally, because I didn't say it was you. <laughs> okay. Let's 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 rewind selector. Okay. <laughs> I want us I want us to think. Okay. Have you ever been broke and in tao? Right? Umefika tao? Umefikatao na huna pesa ya lunch. Right? Have you ever noticed unafikangatao 7.59? From 8.00 till the time you'll go home, all you'll think about is food. Have you ever noticed that? Ama <laughs> okay, guys. Have you ever noticed that when you have money in your pocket, 
you sit in the office or wherever you are, you don't think about lunch. But when you don't have money, Are you guys uh, hell-bent on making me look bad? Okay. I, I apologize for offending you. <laughs> that food is too close to the heart. Tumbo na iko karibu. Listen, no, no, but genuinely, here's the principle. Here's the principle. And, 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 and I want to give you the definition of things above so that we can continue. You see, for a long time, I've been trying to teach you that God is your provider. Trying to teach you not to worry. Okay? Because in the kingdom, if you do not learn that principle then what happens is your mind is occupied by worry. No matter how much money you have. Can we be clear? Because the truth is, you finished school, whichever it was, and you really, really prayed for a job, any job, right? Then you said, you got 10K and you still worried, right? Then you got 20, you got 30, whatever the scale is. No matter how much money you have, you still worry. And that's the poverty I'm talking about. That poverty, my friend, can never allow you to think. Are we together? You see, if you meet someone who's worried about rent... How many times do they tell you a business plan? Because when you're worried about rent, your brain cannot conceive of new ideas. Now, whether your rent is 10K or a million bob, for as long as you're worried about it, by the definition of the Bible, you're poor. Because the definition of poverty is not how much money you have. Now, the problem with that poverty is that you can't think of things like, for example, what I was telling you, you can't think if God exists outside of time, which he does, because if he exists in time, then he is not God. Because then time is God, worship it. Listen, if God is controlled by time, that tells you that who's the master of God. So who do you worship then? You get. But you see, you and I will not reason about those things because it's a leap parent. <laughs> you understand? So you get into what I call the Banjuka 2 mentality. To Konashida Zetu. But that's the mentality of most Christians. What do we do? We can't handle our problems. We can't deal with our problems. So we go to church 
to banjuka, whether your banjuka is playing in tongues for six hours, or it's those slow songs, or you go to a worship concert, or a praise concert to run away from your life, you and the person in the club, same WhatsApp group. Because you're both escapist. Can we be clear? Because I started by telling you, Christianity is not the ability to go cry to God. Because indeed, if you go to cry to God, I've told you, you are of little. Now we can begin to think. Now, why is it important that Paul starts by saying, now that you are resurrected in Christ? Because he assumes certain things have died in you. And can I tell you what is the most important thing that needs to die in you? Worry. Let me explain. If you continue a bit further, it says, verse 2, and set your minds and keep them set on what is above, the higher things, not on the things that are on the... Okay. Now, let's think carefully. Things that are on present. Now, let's think carefully. What is he talking about? That for a lot of us, if you look what occupies your brain, it is the stuff happening in your life now. Let me explain. It is either rent, it is school fees, it is what Ruto said, what Uhuru said, is it raining, is it not? Things on. That's where your brain is. You fixed your mind on things as they are. That's called things on earth. So if you look at the world today, where is their minds? Coronavirus, right? Update after update. There are now two cases. Where? Have you ever asked that person, so what? No, me, I've never understood. So if you tell me there are more cases in Afghanistan, and then am I going to Afghanistan? No, if I'm going, tell me. But if I'm not, please don't forward on Masterclass WhatsApp group. What are we supposed to do about it? <laughs> but that's, that's what is called fixing your mind on things that are on earth. Right? Now, the next scriptures may seem confusing, but I want you to hold on to that thought because he says there's a difference. There are things, things that are above and there are things that are on. Okay? Now, the things that are on earth, he says, don't focus on them. Right? Now, the things that are on earth, clearly, if you look at them, most of them sound ominous. There's locust, there's corona, right? There's a guy who's not returned your call. Yeah, you know, and that's all you can see. Now, notice, listen, when, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you, you also will appear with him in the splendor of his glory. I want you to pause. Because this scripture I used to, I used to think I know it. Because what I used to think would happen 
is that Jesus so what I used to think to happen is him, Jesus, would appear in glory, right? And then me, I'm like a glory let. You know, that's what I thought, right? But notice, you will appear with him. With him. Now, let me explain something to you. Oh, wait, wait. Let me demonstrate with, right? Your idea of Christ's appearance is Christ has made it, right? And you are his, what is that thing? Crew. His mbogiake, uh, right? So what you thought is Christ appears glorious and then you are that guy. Unajo, the way you go to a club, I'm with him. But remember, thanks, when Jesus said, I have given them the glory you gave me. So that's what Christ prayed in John. But the glory I have, I have given to them. Are we together? So therefore, the glory that appears with Christ is a glory he gave you exemplified. In other words, Christ gave you a glory on the inside. When he comes back, he expects to see it visible. Oh, you think I'm lying. But aren't you the church? You are the church, right? He says the glory of the latter church shall exceed that of the... So that means the church must have glory. So you must have, so for you to appear with Christ in glory, you must have glory. Hello? Tuko WhatsApp moja. Sam tuko sal. So if we must appear with Christ, right? With him in glory. Now, let me ask, let me ask the question. Okay? And let's think carefully. You are supposed to appear with Christ in glory. But how does that connect to what Paul has just said, setting your mind to things above? Think about it. It simply means that you must become, that is receiving, the things that were stored for you above. It's the only thing that makes sense. If it is a store, things that are stored are meant to be used, correct? By you. Correct? See it. Setting your mind on things above must mean those things that are stored for you in heaven, you must become those things. Not you must have those things. There's a difference. Because in heaven, there is no store for cars, houses, or money. Can we be clear? We store 
this treasure in Athens? You and me. So God's intention is that the treasure that is in heaven becomes manifest on earth through a vessel called you. Are we together? So when you say you are a vessel of God, it does not mean that you say what God said. It means that you are who God said you are. And there's a difference. In other words, a vessel is that which expresses what the master intended for it to express. They shall see your good works and praise your father. Eh? So the expression of what is in heaven is the reason why you're on earth. Are you together? Now, Paul continues and he says, So kill, deaden, deprive, deprive, who? deprive who? the evil desire lacking in your members, those animal impulses, and all that is utterly new that is employed in sin. Sexual vice, impurity, sensual appetites, unholy desires, and all greed and covetousness, for that is idolatry. Ah, you see, we read these things and we think, hey, Paul is saying we should be sinless. That's not what he's saying. He ends by saying, for that is idolatry. I remember where he started, where your mind is. You can see you're following Kindi. <laughs> Right, the 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 defying of self, other uh, and other cre created things instead of strange. So listen, what Paul is saying. He's saying, for as long as you set your mind on things on earth, you're not worshiping God. For as long as your mind is set on bills, uh, what do you call it, how big your house is, how small, that's all you think about. Don't worship God. Because what he's simply saying here, if you set your minds on things here, on things on earth, right? And you're a chick, okay? And you, you you're fixed on. I need a big house. I need right. That's why you're fixed. What happens to you when a sugar daddy offers you that house? Do, do you understand what I mean? If if you've not paid rent, okay? And that's where your mind is focused. And someone comes and tells you, by the way, there's a corrupt deal we can do one time. Where does your mind go? Now, notice, if you focus your mind on things on earth, automatically you're not focusing on God. Because just the basic thing of trying to pay your rent, your mind immediately goes either to your boss, your clients, your future boss, your future job, it rarely goes to God. So your prayer becomes this. God, talk to my boss to give me an increment. But your eyes are really on the 
That's why it says this is not worshipping God. Right? For it is on account of these very sins that the holy anger of God is ever coming upon the sons of disobedience. Who are, what are they disobeying? Where their mind is. Who are obstinately opposed to the divine will. Now usually that doesn't feel like you. But he's saying being opposed to the divine will is what? Being opposed to the divine will is having your mind focused on earthly things. Among whom you once walked when you are living and addicted to such practices. But now put away and rid yourselves completely of these things. Now, what are these things? Now, notice the list changes. Anger, rage, bad feeling towards others, curses and slander, slander foul mouth abuse and shameful utterance from your lips. Now pause. His list was very different than now. Correct? What is he talking about? What makes you angry? It's called right now. Right? Let me explain to you. If all I have is this water, and my mind is focused on this water, uh, assume it is the last bite of meat or the last slice of pizza, right? Okay? When I'm focused on right now, and he takes it, I get angry, right? Because my mind is focused. Do you understand? When I'm focused on right now, all right, and he has water and I don't, I get jealous, right? Because he has it and I don't. Because I'm focused on. When he has and I don't, tell him, please give me some. I curse him. Right? And if I can't curse him, I slander him. Unum to illuminati. Right? And all of these vices are based on focusing on right now. Then it continues. Do not lie to one another. Why do we lie to one another? Because, again, right now, he has water. My sister is really sick. She needs water. Because I'm thinking. So I can, he can give me water for my imaginary sister. Right now. All of these things are fruit of a mind that is set up right now. For you have stripped off the old nature with its evil and have clothed yourself with the new spiritual self. Now that's where you get confused. The new spiritual self. Because the question, what is a spiritual self? That's when they start telling you, before Christ, your spirit was dead. When Christ came, your spirit came alive. Hey, today you guys are testing me. <laughs> Trying to bring me into right now. Now, let me tell you, 
mind, body, and spirit. You are all one. Understand? Christ saved all of it. This you know because even your body is to be sown as a seed, to be resurrected as a spiritual body, right? Now, can you say to the bean that was sown that it is less important than the plant of the bean? No, it's not. You understand? Are we together? Okay. Now, when he talks about a spiritual self, the new spiritual self, he's not talking about a self that is coming when Jesus comes. He's talking about a self that's supposed to exist now. Our problem with us Christians is when you want to be spiritual, you think it's talking in tongues the whole night. That's what being spiritual. So I want to show you something. Which is ever in the process of being renewed and remolded into the fuller and more perfect knowledge. What is that? means spirituality is knowledge. Because if it is ever being molded by knowledge, then we must conclude that what you know is the level of your spirituality. There is no other measure. We cannot measure how spiritual you are by how much you pray. We cannot measure how spiritual you are by how much you don't sin, because you're all sinners. We can only measure it by how much knowledge has been revealed to you. Because indeed, if God stores his intentions in heaven, then they can only get, exist on earth by way of knowledge. That is why the ministering spirits are called angels. Correct? Now, if we were to speak English today, they are called messengers. So if God is going to minister to you, right? See, we call them ministering spirits. Now let's understand. You are sick. Okay? God sends his angel. God sends his, which means he will not send healing. He will send a word. Oh, you sing it. You sent your word and healed my disease. You are the God, my healer. 
Our problem with our foolish minds is you did not understand the song. So you kept praying for healing. God kept sending you a word. If you understood me there, I could go home. Whatever it is God is sending you, he will send you a word. Can I give you proof? In the beginning, and the word, and the word, and the word became to come and do what? And to save you at the end of it all, right? So even in Jesus, what is the metaphor that God is telling you? He's telling you whatever mess you're in, what I will do to save you is I will send you So this is why I do not understand when prophets lazily prophesy and say, can you pray for Kenya? An earthquake is coming. Can God send his angel? Okay. And send many angels. So basically, send many messengers. Okay. So let's, let's, let's think about it carefully. You are drowning. How many emails should we send you so that you can float? <laughs> Listen. You are at war. Right? You are at war. Then you say, God send your angels. Right? Okay. I want you to notice. Should I? Should I not? I want you to read something in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there are two kinds of angels. The angels with a small a and the angel, the capital A called the angel of the Lord. Anytime the angel of the Lord came, he did stuff. Anytime the other angels came, they gave messages. One day. So, you, you please note that. That's why I'm giving her time to note. Now, let us consider carefully that to clothe yourself and that self to be renewed, it is renewed by what you know. And what you know is what turns you into the image of God. Are we together? So spirituality then is knowledge. Correct? Right. Now notice carefully, notice. If spirituality is knowledge, okay, and our minds are supposed to be sent, set on spiritual things, okay, things above, therefore, 
to set your mind on things above is to set your mind on knowledge that is higher than what you know now. In simple English, setting your, your mind on things above is higher levels of thinking. Okay. Let me give you an example of what Paul means by higher levels of thinking. Now he says, in this new creation, all distinctions vanish. There's no room for, and there can be neither Greek nor what's confusing. He's just come from describing sins, right? Then he says, if you have new knowledge, then you will know there is no Greek or I want you to think carefully. Who are the people in Kenya who are consumed by tribalism? Those who are enlightened or those who are foolish? Who is indulgent on racism, for example? The wise or the foolish? No, think about it. You see, those who have higher senses of reasoning realize that there is no Jew nor Greek, circumcised nor uncircumcised, right? And no, there is no difference between nations, whether alien, barbarians, or Scythians, right? No slave or free man. But Christ is all and in all. Everything and everywhere to all men without distinction of. Okay. Let me give you what is the highest form of reasoning. That you can see God in every man. Correct? Anyone who thinks like that you think is a proper thinker, right? Okay. Now, let's pause and reverse. Okay? Let's reverse. When you are worried about rent. At what point do you think about racism? When you see a black man being arrest, harassed by cops in the States on Facebook, right? And you give it a thumbs down and you move on to worry some more about rent, right? You see, Paul put it another way. He said, a soldier is not bothered by civilian affairs. Right? Why is a soldier not bothered by civilian affairs? Because in the army, they give you food, they give you shelter. Correct? So you do not bother with the things that bother normal people. Correct? Now you are a soldier in Christ's army. And you are completely bothered by the things that bother normal people. 
Because your mind is set on things here and now. Where you are in life. And then while your mind is set on here, you're busy bothering God to change your circumstance. How? You, your biggest problem is rent and food and stomach issues for one person. And you're wailing every day. Now, I want you to just think for one minute. God has trillions of stars to think about. On top of that, he's got global warming to think about. On top of that, he's got to think about Trump. Even worse, he's got to think about the Christians who support Trump. Now, my question is, my question is, when Elijah went to God, what were their conversations about? Did Elijah go to God and say, by the way, God, dear God, my God, my master, Lord, how I pray for a six-bedroomed house in Runda. Notice something. What does God talk to Moses about? The fate of four million people, right? God talks to Abraham about the fate of the world till the end of time. That's what God is talking to them about. Now you are seeking God about rent. Or ye of little faith. The trouble thinking where you are is you can never ever see what is next. You can't see it. I'll give you an example. Over the holidays, I went to Nanyuki town because my instruction from God is, was go to a town you've never been to. Okay? Now, usually, I'm like, why a town I've never been to in Kenya? As in, tell me a town I've never been to outside Kenya. Kind of hot, right? But why a town you've never been to, right? Then, for some reason, we land on Nanyuki, right? Then we go to Nanyuki, and Nanyuki is full of these American soldiers and white people who've settled, right? Now, we go to Lewa Conservancy, okay? And then I, I, the guy who's driving us starts telling us about the history. And then he's like, you know, because it was dry, right? So they all used to go to Nyeri and Embu and those sides because 
Where's Mugzo gone? I was wondering why all the dirty jokes have stopped. <laughs> right? So everyone was going that side because we are Africans. It's green, that's where, that's where you go. Even if you're buying an eighth an acre to put your house, you still want to buy it in the, I do not understand you people, but that's where you want to buy it, right? But Mzungu started settling. And they saw in that dusty, rocky part of Nanyuki, paradise. And indeed, they've turned it into a beautiful place to go. Right? I'll tell you another story. In Naivasha, someone owned land in a rugged part of the place. It's 80s, 90s, they've owned it forever. That come someone came and said, you know what? I can turn this place into paradise. I looked at him like, are you mad? Today, one of the most famous golf courses sits there. The problem of seeing things as they are is the problem the children of Israel had in entering the promised land. Because notice, they did not see anything that was not true. Because God himself had indeed confirmed to them that there are seven tribes stronger than you. Isn't God who said that? But they went there. And the ten of them did not come and give a false report. No, no, no. no. That's what the accusation they came and gave an accurate report. But the Bible records of Joshua and Caleb and it says they had a different spirit. They had a different knowledge base. Just that simple. And so when they looked they saw opportunity. When the ten looked, they saw destruction. So Joshua and Caleb had set their minds on things above. They were not at the level of their problems. They were at the level of solutions. That is what it means to set your mind on things above. Set your mind on things you will become, not where you are. Let me explain. In Kenya today, we are experts at things as they are. You say hi to a Kenyan. The response ni kungangana tu. You have you ever met a Kenyan who's having a good day? How is Kungangana part of your greeting? 
Because for a Kenyan, things are always, how they view things is how they are now. And let me tell you the irony and stupidity of it. Okay? A year, two years ago, we went to court as Kenyans complaining and saying that we should not pay 0.5% tax or 1% tax called the housing fund, right? Okay? Two years later today, we are complaining that there is no money to fund the housing project. Think about that logic. You refuse to give money for the or you think government gets money from where? It gets it from you. You refused. And now you are complaining that the big four is dead because it has no money that you refuse to give. At your birthday? Let me put it to you in perspective. Okay? There are two sets of eyes to which you can look at your life and any circumstance under the sun. You can look at it and describe it as it is accurately. As it is. Or you can look at it and describe it to yourself as it will be or as it can be. If you constantly see what it is Ask no further questions, you are already lost. If you constantly see what it will be, then you've managed to set your mind on things above and beyond where you are. Hello. And now, let the poor say, I am rich. And let the... Because of what? Wait, 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 wait. And now, let the poor say, I am rich. Let the weak say, I am strong because of what God has. Does that make sense to you? That's not logic. God has done, but you are poor, but say, I am rich. Does that make sense to you? Because and now, today, let the poor, his poor when? Say he is because of what the Lord has, yet he is still poor today. So what has he done? In other words, what it is saying, when the poor man understands what God has done, then it is guaranteed for him that he is rich, despite how now looks like. And that is the definition of faith. 
Because you were told, God has given us everything we need for life and godly living and blessed us with his rich and abundant promises. Correct? So we have everything we need for life and godly. We have it. But yet today as we sit, we are poor. Correct? You and I, we are poor. But yet God has done it. And therefore you pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, because in heaven we know you've done it. So our job is to figure out what did he do? So where do you store your treasure? In other words, you set your plans and your hopes on what God has already done. So when you see yourself surrounded, as Elisha finds himself, by um, armies all around him, he says, you see wrong. You see, you see these armies. I see that army. Same circumstance. So this guy has physicalized, can describe a physical army. This guy has spiritualized, he can describe a spiritual army, correct? But notice Elijah in seeing the spiritual army knows what he is supposed to do. He does not wait for the army to lead this other army. He knows what to do. So what am I saying? In this life, you've got to open the eyes of your understanding. I've seen your hand. Let me explain to you. I pray that the eyes of your understanding be opened. So that you see with understanding, you do not see with the description. Because there's a difference. It is easy to see a glass of water and everyone has those eyes. It is hard to see with understanding. What is it to see with understanding? A lot of you are reacting to your life. So what do you see? I've got this much in the bank account. I've got this and this and this. And that you can see. But you cannot understand what all these things put together are supposed to produce. So, the mzungu comes here. Sees the nanyuki you dislike. And through the eyes of his understanding, he can see something different from what you're seeing. Because your eyes of understanding are closed. So you find yourself in a tough position. If you have natural eyes, you see the tough condition. If you've got eyes of understanding, you see what God is doing and making you tomorrow. 
then when you understand, you are able to know where that pressure is supposed to mold you so that you can become that thing that pressure came to make you. So when you are asking for your spiritual eyes to open, you're not asking to see demons flying in the sky. So what? I see a big demon. Seated over Nairobi. Is it going to fight? Because that's what would worry us. No, it's seated, so what? You know, there are things that people say. I'm like, so what? Oh, I see the devil standing. Does it matter whether he's standing, sitting, jumping? What does it matter to you? That is not spiritual eyesight. Spiritual eyesight is to understand why is that enemy in your way? Because spirituality is about knowledge. So, listen, there's, there's a strange thing that God does with all the prophets. Shows them a vision. Okay? And he asks them, what did you see? <laughs> Have you ever noticed that in the Old Testament? Shows them a cup. I asked them, what did you see? Then the prophet has to say, I saw a cup and it was standing. And then he say, you've seen, which it means it is possible to see not well. I want you to understand what I'm saying. That it is possible to see and not to see well. That's why it says many times you think you have eyes but you do not. Or you think you see so your blindness remains. So what is he saying? It means there is another dimension by which you must be able to see things that is not the normal, natural way. And it does not mean that what you are seeing in the natural is not accurate. So God, a lot of the time, comes into your life and asks you, what do you see? No, my God. Goodness. Coronavirus. What do you see? Oh my goodness. It has surely arrived in Kenya. I'm like, what do you see? What do you think God is doing? The stock market crashed. What do you think God is doing? Saudi Arabia started an oil war. What do you think God is doing? Why would these things happen when Xi Jinping is in China, Trump is in the States, 
Johnson in Britain, Kenyatta here. How are they connected? Dururu. Because the eyes of your understanding are so dulled that you can only describe the problem, you cannot see the solution. Now that's what is called things above. Things above is the solution. Things above is the solution. Things below is the crybaby. Oh God, why am I not rich? I'm now 40 years old. Oh my goodness, I'm so angry. But that's because you spent 40 years here. Thinking about here. You've never graduated to think, okay, I am poor. How do I solve it? How do I solve it? You've never put one solution in place and you're angry at God. Now what do you want God to do? To become a sponsor. So that now, just because you're cute and you think you deserve it, he puts you in a mansion. Let me tell you something and you'll find it harsh. But it's the truth. If you're below 25, 26, 27, and you're poor, you can blame it on your parents. If you're above 27, 28, 29, 30, and you're poor, it's your fault. Because by now, you ought to figured out how it's done. Stop being like the paralyzed man next to the pool. Okay? This guy had been there 30 years. 30 years. Now let me tell you what was wrong with this man. This man meets Jesus. Okay? Now notice, this guy is very special. This guy can tell when an angel touches water. I can differentiate between when the wind touches water or a pebble drops into the pool or one of the many sick people. He can tell the difference. That was an angel and that was just anything else, right? He can tell the difference. But when Christ, who is the one who sends angels, shows up, he does not know who he is. Strange thing number one. Strange thing number two is he can describe the pool, the solutions, and the reason why he can't get there accurately. Tells Jesus, let me tell you how this system works. Every so often, kuna angel and attaching Lakini, min mekwapa and kijaribu, 30 years. But every time, kunamtu anaingia, mbeleangu. Maniga, you is paralyzed. How did you expect to enter? 
Don't you think that's the dumbest thing you can say? So what was he supposed to, to do? You're paralyzed next to the pool. He's supposed to think yourself inside. But he says, I have no man to drop me into the pool. Let us think carefully at this man's stupidity. For 30 years, he could make no friends. For 30 years, he could make... I just want you to understand his foolishness. 30 years, you've been at a place with a million other niggas with problems like you. But you couldn't make one friend. Number two. Number two. For 30 years, this guy could not make a plan. 30 years could not work out a system that worked for him. 30 years, he never thought, since I am paralyzed, can someone just put my finger in the pool? So that if the angel touches, my finger is already there. 30 years could not come up with a plan. And funnily enough, 30 years he followed an angel. He never figured out that if God can send one angel, he can send another. 30 years he couldn't figure that out. But that's how we are in life. I find you in your book. What are you doing? Writing, uh, what do you call it? Applications. One year, two years, three years. Then we see you on TV being interviewed, how you almost have a PhD in molecular physics. You can't find a job. All this time, you didn't find a friend with a business you could help. All this time, you didn't change your method of applying. All this time, you didn't think maybe you should do something different. Maybe with your biochemistry, biomedicine, you bio what degree, you could have figured out how to cure coronavirus and you'd be rich now. And most of us in Africa are paralyzed by the pool called beautiful. Paralyzed. Permanently able to describe your problems to a T. And being able to tell us Sikumoja and Tamik. But there is no strategy to your Sikumoja. That guy living there 32 years, Jesus shows up, dude still does not have a plan on how to get into the pool. Because he never told Jesus, but this time I figured it out. This time when the angel is going to come, I'm going to do ABCD. Did he have such a plan? 
But what does Jesus tell him? What did Jesus tell him? Pick up your mat and walk. Can I tell you something? He was paralyzed in his mind. Because you've been paralyzed for 30 years. How the heck do you know how to pick up a mat? <laughs> you've seen other people. <laughs> One second, because I need to... Listen. So what does Jesus do? He changes the problem. He tells them, if you can learn to pick up your mat, you can walk. Forget about the pool. If you can learn to pick up your mat, you can move. But the problem with Africa is we are stuck waiting for that angel, that opportunity, that breakthrough, that year of Jubilee. This is my year. This is your day. None of them have been yours unless you take them. Because let me tell you for free, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the only way you lay hold of an inch of it is if you become a violent man. Let me explain. The only way you get healed is if you figure out you are a paralyzed person who can pick up your own goddamn mat. It's the only way. Let me tell you something. The other day, I am studying development. Okay? And I'm pissed at God because me, I wanted to study something totally different. So he tells me, no, no. I want you to study development. Tell me, how did nations develop? Now notice, the Europeans stole paper, gunpowder, tea from the Chinese, right? Then they developed, right? Then the Japanese stole from the Americans, right? I'm jumping many stories. Eh? I'm just trying to paint a picture. Stole from the Americans and made Sony and other companies, right? And we used to say of Sony, it is a bad copy of the Western technology, right? You remember? You know when you, Kitambo, when you used to have, we know you have a new phone, some air. <laughs> so, when, 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 when the Japanese today, if you buy a Sony PlayStation, it's state of the art, right? Just the other day, we took out to Asamaki to fake in Chinese, right? Now your iPhone is made from China, right? 
Africa is the only continent that wants to develop following the rules that everyone else broke to develop. So we are paralyzed by the poor. Ella. Are you guys, are we in the same WhatsApp group? bypass to as well. So there is the understanding is you open your eyes to in your understanding there is spirituality which is defined by knowledge. Mm -hmm. There is being poor mm -hmm. and there is being rich. Yes. Now, I'm trying to interconnect all these things, but my question is coming in the mm -hmm. side for do we, must we uh, define poor and rich primarily on material things like money? No. Ah, yeah. then, then you'll need to, to describe scenarios you and know, situations where. What I, are you doing this one? I, I described. What, what are you doing? Okay. What are you doing? All right. Yeah, we describe it in a, in a way mm. that can say you are rich without necessarily describing money. Now, can I and you? poor without necessarily defining money. Now, let me explain because I, I, I answered that. I said, for as long as you worry, you are poor. I'm looking for a situation where I have made it, but it's not with money and it is okay. Now, let me explain to you. <laughs> Because if you if no senior no because if we can't if we if we don't have such a scenario then how do we define the other one for not having money as being poor? Now let me explain something so you understand. Okay. First, I said in the kingdom expression, okay, the one who worries is poor. It does not matter whether you're worrying about a billion or you're worrying about a thousand. Worry, same words, because Christ defined the opposite of it. He said, "Do not worry, what you shall right? Where you shall sleep, what you shall wear, right?" He said, "Right, but seek ye first the kingdom of, and all these things shall be added unto you." Now pause. The reason why I interconnect spirituality with wealth expansion is because the spiritual man automatically creates a byproduct called wealth. Because it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Are we together? So you can, your, your, your prosperity is not the added that's why I said that the things above are things you must become, not things you must have. Let me explain something to you. Okay? There is a thing you all understand because it's innate to every human being. Okay? There are people who walk into a room and you feel their presence, right? 
they, they didn't say anything. It's not their fancy clothes. But they walk in and they walked in with an energy. Right? Okay? You know that. In fact, you know the opposite. There are people who walk into a room and they walk in with depression. You know those people? Like you could be here, you just get sad. In the crash. In fact, you know them most by email. Latest con in Nairobi town. You know those people? Uh, there are people who uh, you all have that one friend who when you're in trouble you call them they start talking you relax because they have this way of handling things you get come on you understand what i mean right now that person whatever let me call it presence they have manifests in their life you get if they were like that in campus the guys who you would run to to solve your problems and stuff like that you find them 10-15 years in life they also have the resources commiserate to their ability correct now notice that wealth was added because even before they were already wealthy. You see, in the kingdom, you become where you're going. A lot of the mistakes you make is you want to get there so you can be. In the kingdom, you have to be before you get. Now, the bee is not a wealthy person. The bee is a person who generates profit in whichever circumstance they are in. Because if you are that kind of person, even before you get money, then when you get money, you automatically will produce money. And if you're that person with your children, then automatically as a father, you will produce fruitful children. But the danger of the world system is if you follow wealth the way it's created in the world, you can be very good at making money and fail miserably at having children. Because you are not a profit making entity on the inside. So, let me put it to you in perspective. You can be wealthy according to the world, but your entire life is constantly falling apart because you're still poor inside. And that's why God describes his kind of wealth and he says the blessing of God maketh rich and he added no sorrow. You understand? Now notice what comes first. 
what comes first is God is clear. He says he's blessing. Now, in blessing, there is a man called a blessed man. Even before he gets wealthy, he is already because it says the blessing of God makes rich. So when you receive it, you are not rich. Are we together? That is, I'm literally telling you what things above is. Let me explain. Let me try again. See, let me finish yeah, answering. So that you answer both of them together. So, <laughs> um, there's the beatitudes that comes into play. Mm -hmm. is the poor. But that word poor... And the one you've just described in your last example might not be the same. You see, if you can clarify on that, it's also good. Then, the poor in spirit. Yes. There's a difference between poor and poor in spirit. Okay. Uh -huh. Yes, that, you see, because we can we always substantiate poor and rich as that byproduct that you have alluded to? Because if we always refer to that byproduct as when we are defining if someone is doing well or not, mm as whether they are fruitful or not, then everyone who does not have a byproduct is lacking the satisfaction of life because they think they are not in a but, place. But, That's why I was asking you that but, question. That's what I was asking let me question. tell you, they should. That uh, they should. I'll yes, tell you why. But no, I was asking that question for, is it, does it absolutely, can you show someone who is rich without that byproduct? Now, let me explain to you, okay? You're asking, this is the question you're asking me. Can we make sugar from sugar cane without getting molasses? Let, let me put it to you in perspective, okay? A process is a process. A product is a product. Are we, are we together? What? I can hear a sound. Oh. Oh. That's a phone call over there. Jesus. Charlie, we are part of your conversation to Msalamia. Right? Now, let's, let's be clear. Okay? God is what? Happy by the prosperity of his people. You understand? And I told you guys before, it does not matter to God whether you're wealthy or poor. That is temporal existence, right? But what I'm trying to tell you is this. Listen. There is a blessed state, are we together, of being. Being blessed is a state of how you are. It is not the laying on of hands. Let's be clear. Okay? Because it says of that man who is blessed, and take me to Psalms 1, it says of that man who is blessed, whatsoever he does prospers. Are we together? Now let me explain slowly. Let us start here. The poor in spirit is the person who desires be filled with the knowledge of God. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall be filled. Right? Now, it says, 
that if you think you are blind, then you will see. But if you think you see, your blindness remains. Let me explain. A lot of us where we are in life, we can describe here, we think we see. Do you understand? And sometimes how we think we see is tricky. Because there is the man who sees himself as miserable and hopeless. There is the man who sees himself as middle, so he's just flowing down the road. Then there's the person who thinks he's made it. It's called the village. Village is a funny place. So in the village, the guy who can buy the newspaper is the most knowledgeable. The guy who drives a KAC 223D is the richest. You understand? This is the problem with a village. And so, God says to Abraham, for your own sake, for your own, leave your town, your father's house, right? And all of that to a place I will show you, set your things above, and there I will bless you. For as long as your mind is localized in your village, in your current circumstance, you are unblessable. Because I want to ask you a question. When you want to change your village, don't you realize the most important thing is to change how they think? Let me ask you a question. How many watchmen have left farms, two acres, three acres, to come to Nairobi to be paid 5,000, 6,000? Many, right? Then how many Nairobians are looking for land where this villager came from? The problem is the villager, for as far as he's concerned, all he saw was the village. But you came to Nairobi and you saw things above. So you look at that farm as how it can be, not how it is. So when you go to that farm, you see a greenhouse. You see different things. Because you, in perspective of the village, have the ability to set your mind on things that means you can prophesy. Are we together? So when you see what he sees, it's a different thing. Now let me ask, answer your question, right? The truth is that the kingdom you saw, let's use the example of a farm, is a greenhouse in western Kenya that is instead of producing maize, is producing tomatoes, right? Now, because of what you saw, then the obvious byproduct of you prophesying over that land, the byproduct is wealth. Sindio, it is a better form of existence for the same piece of land that before was not producing enough resources. 
Are we on the same page? Okay, let me rewind. Okay. Uber looked at taxis. Right? Now, where you and I saw a headache, it is so expensive, and then I have to store a guy's number, and then I have to walk to the stage, and then I have to negotiate, and they're always expensive, and they're never nice, and some of them are rude, and some of them will live in the middle of nowhere. Right? Now, where you and I, because we could not see things above, so the problems, right? Sindio? Uber saw things and they saw, wait, if you can get Mark to ask for his taxi at home, right? He'll feel much better. If you force the taxi to give a fairer rate, Mark will most more likely use the taxi, right? If you force the taxi to be clean, Mark will feel more comfortable in the taxi, right? If you give Mark the opportunity to rate this guy, Mark will feel more in control, right? Now, the natural result of them solving that problem for me is they will make a profit. So, the wealth was added to them. Am I making sense? Because, let us remember that God took hold of you so that you can get a crown and achieve a prize. You understand? Are we together? So, if you are running a race to achieve a thing, then it must follow that for attaining that thing, there must be a prize. Right? Now, notice Usain Bolt runs 100 meters. Even before he's given the gold medal, he is already a winner. The gold medal is added to his winning. It is not the winning. Are we on the same page? Therefore, equally for us, everything we do for God will naturally yield a profit because that's the nature of bearing fruit. So Usain Bolt, when he is running, he is not the pass mark, is not a gold medal at the end of his race. He focuses his mind on what? He focuses his mind that when the gun pops, that's when he runs. He focuses his mind that he must run between the lines. He focuses his mind that he must be the first one to cross that line. That's his focus. Now, if he is so focused on that task, the natural result of that is winning. And if you win, the natural result of that is profitability. So, if he is able to carry the discipline he has on the track and apply it to his business life and apply it to his family life, 
he then becomes a winner in all of those things. But if you are Ronaldinho, okay, and you cannot apply the principles you learned in football, that you must, if the ball goes out of play, there's a way you put it back, that there's a way you must score a goal, there's a way you must be a certain distance away from the defender, right? Now, because Ronaldinho does not have the principles that made him succeed in football, he does not apply them elsewhere, then he is a great footballer, but a failed man. Are we together? Now, that is the difference. The difference is this. David Beckham is a good footballer. But he has applied those same principles, okay, of success in his business and in everything else that he does. Now, because he's applied those principles, it does not matter whether it is kicking a football or running a business. Success follows him, not because of opportunity, but because of who he is. Now that is called the kingdom come. That's why it says whatsoever he does prospers, not because he is special, but because the principles of success live in him. So if you take him and you put him in prison, then he succeeds in prison. And even in prison where there is no money, we find Joseph where? Being in charge of the prison. Are, are we together? But that's what I mean. The prosperity must show. You see, how do I explain it? Exactly. Mm -mm. No, no. You see, rest comes before wealth. Because rest is who you are. Uh, let's go to someone. So we are describing, we are describing the blessed one. Okay, let's go carefully. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Or stand in the way that sinners take. Or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is on the law of the Lord. Now let's be clear. This is not talking about thou shalt not, thou shalt not. This is talking about the principles of God. This is talking about how God's knowledge base. Okay? Because it says... He meditates on the law day and he thinks about the law. You understand? In other words, this is a knowledge seeker. Are we together? He is someone who's expanding his knowledge. Right? Now, the person 
who is expanding his knowledge okay, of God and expanding what God told him. Now, that person, that person is the person who is called the blessed one. Okay? Now, when he is in that state, he is like tree planted by which yields its fruit in season. So, you cannot be blessed and not be fruitful. You can't. It's like saying you are a tractor but you can't plow. Because, indeed, before you ever plowed, you were already a tractor. But if you can't plow, you are not a tractor. Are we together? So, it says, and he shall be like a tree firmly planted and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in season. Its leaf shall not fade nor wither, and everything he does shall prosper. Now, why can it confidently say everything he does? It does not say everything he does in God. Uh -huh. Everything he does shall prosper. That tells you that the prosperity is the person, it is not the opportunity. Now, what does it say? Not so the wicked. They are like chaff, worthless, dead without substance, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked, those disobedient and living without God, shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows and is fully acquainted with the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, let me explain something to you. When he says the way of the ungodly shall perish, notice he's talking about the way. In other words, what this scripture is simply trying to tell you is that there is a path to life and there is a path to perishing. And I told you last week, they asked Jesus, how shall you enter into king? How, what shall happen on judgment? And then Jesus told them, strive to enter the, through the narrow path, strive to enter the kingdom. Now, does that make sense to you? What he's simply saying is this. It's very simple. Success is a path and distraction is a path. When you're on the path to success, it is obvious you will bear fruit in whatever you do. It is obvious. Okay, let me, let me, let me give you an explanation why it is obvious. For you to be a good footballer, okay, you have to practice a lot, right? You have to eat right, correct? You have to know how to protect your body from serious injury, correct? You've got to know the rules. You know, you, you've got to know how much to drink, how much to eat, correct? Now, take that discipline to anything. Same discipline. Take it to owning a restaurant. 
you got to know when to wake up. You got to know how much to serve. It's the same principles. The principles to success are the same for everything you can ever do under the sun. They're the same. That is why it says that person who practices righteousness. Now let me understand, let me help you understand. Righteousness is not not sinning. Righteousness is doing things God's way. That's what it is. So what is God's way? It is a formula of success. It's called what? Things above. So what happens when you think about things above? See, it's very simple. Very simple. If you want to be wealthy tomorrow, then you invest today. You don't pray. You invest. It's very simple. Now, to make a good investment, you study. Very simple. And you calculate your risks. And you ensure your risk. So it's basic. As in what other way possibly would you think God would make you rich? Sport Pesa. Yeah, but revelation is knowledge. Now, wait, let me, let me, let me finish. You see, Ilam, guy, Ui. hey, my friend, Facebook live Let me explain to you guys so we are on the same page. God, okay, created righteousness. Righteousness is not not doing bad things, which you understand. Righteousness means the upright man, normal man. You understand? Let me explain to you normal man. Okay? Every person you know who is successful has discipline, correct? Successful, not lucky. Has discipline, correct? Has dependability, which is built out of doing the same thing and giving good results every time, correct? And has a problem-solving mentality, correct? Isn't it? Now, I want you to notice something. When people go to this show called Shark Tank, right? The sharks always know about your business. You sit there, and you say, this is a really cool business and stuff like that. Then they start asking you, what is your ROI? What is the distribution mix that you want? What is your buyout plan? What is your exit plan? What is the valuation of your business? How, how expandable is your business? Right? Because they understand the principles of success. 
they understand them. And so they apply those principles in businesses that they are, are not even their own and they succeed, correct? Christians are the only people who got no principles, no discipline, no stickability, and blame God they are broke. What do you God want to do? What do you want God to do with your unknowledgeable self? one of the things I discovered, God does not like to do miracles. I'll teach you that some on Monday. If you cannot learn to constantly set your mind on things above, you're not going to prosper. This country can't prosper. Because we are insane as a nation. We are insane. Somalia is three kilometers into Kenya fighting. Our headline is a DP who is committing suicide because no one wants to kill him. That's our headline. Just think about it. Where are we? Oh, Mark doesn't like DP, my friend. May I tell you the truth? When you ask me whose side I'm, I'm on the Lord's side. When you're wrong, I tell you. When you're right, I tell you. He is wrong. So shoot me. Yeah, tweet me anytime you want. It's fine. Let's, let's be clear, guys. You must learn to set your mind on things above. Let me just deal with one disease of right now. Opportunism. Dealism. Kahasol. If you are the kind of person who hears a story and you want to invest something really wrong with you, Please get rid of that demon. Just because it is an opportunity does not mean you should take it. This world has many opportunities. The challenge of being a grown-up is to know which one is yours. And to know when to do what. Opportunities, my friend. Do you know how to tell clients? No? Do you know when you have enough clients? No, you don't. Never ask God to bless you before you know how to expand your tent. Some people die in business because they have no clue, no idea how to take their business to step two. 
Instagram. Now, superstar photographer. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. You have 24 hours, right? Okay. So, when you booked the whole of 24 hours, what do you do? Thank you. Please clap for him. Because if you do not know how to expand, you're going to be broke. And the only way to expand is to teach others how to be like. Set your mind on things. Stop thinking about right now. One day, last story I'm going to tell you. When I was just fresh in business. had so many people that we owed cash because something had gone wrong. Then they had this anointing of calling me all at the same time. I mean, I used to think, how does Kevin know John and how does John know Kamau and how does Kamau know Nyango? How? Because you hung up the other one. I'm like, and now, you know, I'd spend my time just thinking and I'm like, oh, God, what am I going to do? And you know what God told me? He's like, you do realize that if you focused and spent your mind thinking about how you're going to make money, you're more likely to pay these debts than sitting there thinking about the debts. things above. If you think about how much money you owe, it is not going to change. If you think about what opportunities there are to make money, then guess what? It will change. Do you know what is the best part about people you owe money? They all forgive you when you pay them. Train your mind. Train your mind to think beyond where you are. Train your mind to think of things above. Please stop posting problems in the group. Did you know coronavirus is now? Tell us. Please, more importantly, tell us. What should we do? Let's discuss that. Guy, if it is ngumu, you think I don't know. Why are you telling me? Can you tell us what to do? The people call the sons of Masaka. They always knew what Israel ought to do. Ought to do. That is proper repentance. Stop calling us to prayer breakfast. Tell us what to do. Because we don't need a prayer breakfast to pray. You know, people forget. You know, Uru can pray from state house. Even right now, he can pray. It's not very hard. I don't know why you need to gather them in a... So Uhuru, Ruto, and Raela, they shake hands. And then what? Tell... 
tell us what to do. You do not believe in BBI, no problem. You tell us what to do. Don't believe in Big Four, no problem. You tell us what? That's called things above. Oh, unajuai flow, ichafu mazi. We know. You tell us what? Change your This is the hardest thing I've ever asked you to do in my years of preaching. I have not met one person who's made this journey. I've not, being honest. Because it's the hardest thing to do because you live with your mind every day. You see, you'll wake up tomorrow in the morning, you'll have pimples. And you tell God, please help me. I don't think solutions. You wake up tomorrow. You're still in the house you slept in yesterday. And you have to wake up and look at where you are and tell yourself, and now let me say I am rich. The mental discipline it takes to repent, because now I'm teaching you repentance, because that's true repentance. The mental fortitude it takes to look at yourself in the mirror and realize that's not you. Because the you God is making is different. That, my friend, is to repent. And if you can do that, can transform what you see so that you see with understanding. That you see without complaining and you see without worrying. Because if you see with complaining and worrying, you're seeing wrong. Seeing wrong. Every time anyone was near God and all they saw was panic, God would tell them, mm, you're seeing it wrong. If you can't see the solution, you can't see where you're going, seeing it wrong. See, the problem is you read a self-help book, a business book, what book, you read it, you try to apply the principles, but your eyes are wrong, it never works. What you've got to fix is what you see. What you don't understand is what you see is a choice. Oh, you know, I feel like this thing is never going to change. And you, you are in it. You are insane. Oh, I feel masterclass is... And you are there. You are insane. 
your half, one half of a marriage, I don't think so. Things are never going to change. You're 50%. You're insane. Because who do you want to come and change it? Of course it will not, because it's you. It's you. <laughs> Change this. Set your eyes, set your mind on things above. So what are treasures in heaven? The treasure in heaven is very simple. It is the you God always intended you to be. Because guess what? Someone asked me a question. And let me really conclude here. Ask me a question and he asked. He said, in a more automated world and computers are taking over and everything is automatic and in 50 years the job market is going to slim. How would you suggest that people cope for the future? Now, I was at the big UN Rotary, Rotaract, I don't know. Which one is for the big one? Rotary. Rotaract is for campus, Rotary is for big people, right? So anyway, so I mean, I mean, this big conference, um, the one that was held, was it last year or the year before? And I'm one of the speakers, and I'm sitting there, and they say, the question to you, Mr. Bichachi, is... What would you advise people do to prepare for the future? I told them it's very simple. The future is about people who will make employment an expression of who you are. People who are able to bring out who they are on the inside. And I told them, because no one can ever fire you from being you. They can't. And what we don't understand is the true treasure that God has is you. That's why he has invested his blood, his life force into you to turn you into the you he created from and if you have that treasure, which robber can steal it? If you have that treasure, which moth can eat it? Let me tell you this. God told me this many, many years ago. He asked me, there are refugees from Somalia. He said, yes. And he told me, there are some in Dadaab, yes. There are some in Isili, yes. There are some in Runda, yes. There are some in Kari. All of them are? What was the difference? Because their papers didn't matter. Do you know what was the difference? The question you should ask yourself is if we stripped away your papers, your connections, dropped you in the middle of Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan, and we we dropped you there. What would happen? 
Oh, I promise you, give me three months. I'll be preaching. I'll be on their TV. And I'll own a business. That's what Mark Bichachi is, dead or alive. But if a simple geographical shift changes who you are, and class is off. 